But as we get started here this morning, before we turn into the, into the Bible, most of you know that I do qualify myself ahead of time to say that I am allowed to tell blonde jokes because I am technically a blonde. I do realize that the, most of the blonde color has gone, but I still think I'm qualified. Well, there, there was a, uh, a, a, a blonde lady who was on an airplane and sitting next to a, a very rich, very knowledgeable individual. He was a lawyer and prided himself on all his education and such. And, and as he was talking with this, this blonde lady, he was, he was coaxing her into trying to get into a contest. He wanted to get into a contest and, and just you know, test each other's knowledge, test each other's wits. And, uh, and finally, he, he convinced her to go ahead and do this. And he, he said, look, for every answer, every question that I ask you and you cannot answer, you pay me $5. But for every question you ask me and I cannot answer, I'll pay you 50 so 10 to 1 odds, she finally decided, all right, she's going ahead and go and do this. And so he gets to go first. So he, he um, asked her the question. He says, what is the distance between the earth and the sun? Without even speaking a word, the blonde just gave him $5. But now it was her turn. And so she said, what goes up the hill with three legs but comes down with four? Well, he thought on this for a while. He, he had his laptop computer. He did all the searches on a laptop computer he could do. He even grabbed a phone in the, uh, in the airplane, because they're flying now, used, used an air-to-ground phone call to call several people to find out what has three legs going up a hill but four legs coming down. And he, he could not find out the answer. So after all this research, all the money he spent on, on making the phone calls and such, he finally gave up and he gave her $50. But then he said, look, I've got to know, what has three legs going up a hill and four legs going down? The blonde didn't say a word. She just gave him $5. <laughs> well, we're always picking on blondes, aren't we? Some things, you know, you just don't, don't seem to be quite right. And sometimes whether a person is blonde or whether the person is not, Sometimes it just doesn't seem like everything is connecting upstairs. Have you ever run into those kind of people? I mean, something just seems to be wrong. <laughs> it, should be, it should be better than what's going on, which is what, you know, where all the blonde jokes come from. But how many of y'all know there's a whole lot of brunettes out there that people are wondering if they've dyed their hair? <laughs> now, again, I'm a blonde. Oh, my. All right, just having some fun here this morning. We're still on our series about hope. But this time we're talking about the contamination of our hope. That sometimes hope can become contaminated. That just the same way that we have some people out there, it seems like their minds have gotten messed up. That all the wires aren't quite connected. Something happened. Something got contaminated with those folks. There's some things that happen with our hope, and sometimes it has just gotten purely contaminated. And it's just... Uh, it's just messed up on the, on the whole thing. So we want to take a look at a number of scriptures in here. First and foremost is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And, uh, and somebody took away my stuff. There were two cups that were under here. Did you take them? Are they retrievable? Are they not? No, no, I'm not looking at you. Do you know what was in both of those cups? Can you, can you take care of those for me? I appreciate that. Thank you. 
they're just so efficient at cleaning up the. She's so efficient cleaning up stuff. You know, she just took my props right out. Uh, but brother, right? I didn't see the other one I asked you for. Is it up there? All right. I'll see if that if I just missed it. Sure did. See, that's that blonde part kicking in again. Just you know, whenever you just can't. Oh, man. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the command is what? Be anxious, be anxious for how many things? Nothing. Does that mean you can be anxious for some things? A, a couple. Nothing, nothing at all? Nothing. So if I am anxious for anything, I am disobedient to that scripture. Is that not right? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Oh, that's tough. I mean, it's hard enough to not be anxious for anything. But then, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. How much easier it is for us not to make the request known unto God, but to just worry and fuss about them. You know, Ethel and Keith are both talking about corrupting meditation, getting into worry and stuff like that, and... That's pretty much what we're on here today, too. Mm-hmm. Go on to the next verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means that you can't understand it, doesn't it? Isn't that what that means? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means I have peace when I really don't understand why. I don't understand it, but I, I, can, I have it. I have it. I was uh, talking with a, a lady in the store. And she was telling me, you know, I was mentioning something that was uh, uh, that, that had become missing and that it would, later on was found. And this person said to me, now they knew who I was. They, they knew I was a pastor. I've seen this, this person a number of times. But they said to me, said, oh, you should have prayed to St. Anthony. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, I don't know. I guess, is that what it is? Just, okay. I didn't know who or what St. Anthony did. But, you know, we got into praying. Uh, we're talking about that. And she said, oh, you should pray to St. Anthony. That, uh, that'll go on. I says, are you serious? I says, you tell me where in the Bible it tells me to pray to St. Anthony. So the Bible tells me to pray to Jesus. Said, well, I don't know how it works. I just know that if you do that, it works for me. I says, what are you talking about? You don't even go to church. She don't. She don't even go to church. You're telling me how to... How to get out there and have an answer. He said, you're telling me, you just told me the week before, God hadn't come through on some stuff. All her life, God hadn't come through. Now she's telling me how to make it work. Pray to St. Anthony. I don't know about that. I mean, you, got, you can't go in all the different, all different directions here. No, if you don't pray to St. Anthony, who do you pray to? Jesus. Jesus is our mediator between us and the Father. We go to Jesus. St. Anthony may have been a great person. And I don't want to disparage St. Anthony at all. I don't know him. But you're a great person too in the eyes of God. And Jesus will come through for you just as much as will come through there. So let him come through. Don't be over there. The peace of God will surpass all understanding. We can't understand all the things about, about God. We can't understand all of it. All we have to do is understand that it works. Like we told you before, you've got that uh, part out there with, uh, with your car. You don't understand how that car works. But thank God. That if you put the key in and, and turn it, it goes. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know how a refrigerator keeps things cold. 
I just know that it does. And all I have to do is plug it into the wall. That's it. I don't got to do anything else. I don't have to know the, the ins and outs of how the microwave works. It's just plugged into the wall. You hit the button. You know, it pops popcorn. It makes hot water. It, whatever it is that you want it to do, it does it. And it's good. Why do we have to understand God all the time? We can't understand everything about God. I mean, and when this person and I were getting into this thing, you know, well, you know, uh, I don't understand why God does this or I don't understand how, you know, I think Jesus and God are just the one. We're talking about praying to Jesus. I says, well, just because you don't understand it doesn't make it true. I said, God's an awful lot bigger than you and I are. So he made this whole universe. I don't understand it either. But I understand this. He said to pray to him. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So glory to God for that. That's what we can do. Now, in 1 Peter, verse 5, and, or verse 7 of chapter 5, he says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What are we supposed to do with our care? Cast it, Cast it all upon him. Put, take all the care that you've got and put it on Him. Which means if I have any of the care, have I obeyed this Scripture? No. Generally, you know, people, when you call up for your computer problems or you call up for your whatever appliance is not working or whatever tool that you got is not working, you call the helpline and the helpline goes through a number of different things to see, you know, most times we haven't read the manual. <laughs> we haven't plugged in the right thing or detach something or whatever we're supposed to do. So they go through all that with you to, to, to get you to, to do all that. We haven't always read the manual. The manual says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Amen. Amen. See, a lot of times, we told you before, there's the hope of God. God has a hope for us and his hope is different from what the world gives. It's not a wishful hope. It, it's a know, knowing hope. We're not sitting here wondering, oh, I hope someday we get to see Isabella up in heaven. We know. Amen. Well, you just can't never know because you don't know what. It, no, I do know. I know her and I know me. Amen. <laughs> and I know we're both going that way. And you can know you just as well as I can know me. And you know where you're going. Amen. We can know that. We don't have to wonder. I don't have to say, oh, I hope it's going to happen. No, we know the word of God is about certainty. It's about us knowing that I'm saved. So cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. So we put this in your outline here. How do I, what am I supposed to do? What do I do to get my hope into the right place? First off, we put this word down on there for you. Send. Send. What do you mean send? I mean send it on. Send it on to God. Cast all your care upon it. Send it on to God. Father, here it is. Send it off to you. Amen. You get a bill in the mail. You put a check in it with the bill. And then what do you do? Send. Send. And that bill is taken care of, right? When you have a problem, you go before God, you put that request to God, and you send it on. Send it on to Him. So first thing we're sending. Here's the second thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Let's go ahead and read all, all that out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Amen. Not for some people, but Jesus apparently thinks it ought to be that way. Mm -hmm. Look at the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Do we change anything by worrying? No. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so, so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Now, who made the body? Who made our walk with Him? God did. So if something's not going right, we didn't read the book, right? We didn't read the handbook. The handbook says, do not worry. Do not worry. That's what it says. So if I worry, I'm breaking the handbook. If I have a lawnmower, how many of you all got the lawnmowers out already? Time to cut the grass. And if you don't put gasoline in the proper place, if you put oil where gasoline should be and gasoline where oil should be, it ain't going to work too well. And if you call up the, the, the Sears place, wherever it is that you bought it, I buy my lawnmowers from Sears. Maybe you have a better place. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, they're cheap and they work, right? <laughs> That's all that matters. They're cheap and they work. I had, we had a lawnmower guy who came on by and he fixed our lawnmower one time. And I said, what lawnmower do you recommend buying? He says, only two. He says, John Deere and Sears. He says, all the rest aren't worth it. I don't work on lawnmowers. I don't sell lawnmowers. I just buy them. The less often I have to buy them, the better. Because <laughs> they just keep on working. So, if you called up Sears and said, hey, my lawnmower's not working right. Well, did you put the, the gas in the right, the right spot? Did you put it here? No, I put it in this spot. Well, you broke your, your machine. <laughs> it's not for us to fix it up. See, we're, we're doing the wrong thing. We're not doing the right thing. He says, do not Worry. Oh, but God, you do not worry. But it, it's about clothes. I think he mentioned it in there. And it's about money. I think he mentioned that in there. I think, well, what about if I don't, I can't eat? I think he mentioned that in there. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Well, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry. Again, He says it. You ever been in one of those uh, classes and your teacher says, if I repeat something, it's important? <laughs> if I repeat something, it's going to be on the final? You ever had one say, if I repeat something more than once in the same class, it's going to be on the final? So what happens when you hear him say the second time, did you hear that? He's, that was number two. It's on the final. It's on the final. I know it. It's on the final. Get it down. Why? Because he repeated it. Jesus repeated this how many times? Quite a few already. Do not worry. Over and over. Do not worry. Do you think he's trying to get a point across? Do not Worry. I think he doesn't want us to worry. That's what I'm thinking. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, 
Boy, what's he mean by that? Don't worry about tomorrow. I don't worry about tomorrow. Sure you do. How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the electric bill? Isn't that tomorrow? No, it was yesterday. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We got enough to take care of today's trouble. But when we're dealing with today's trouble, what's he say about it? Do not worry. We are not to worry about today's trouble. We are not to worry about tomorrow's trouble. We are not to worry. That is what he says to do. Do not worry. So we made this one real easy. You ready? Here's the word. Stop. Stop worrying. Just don't do it. Do not worry. Stop it. How many times you have little kids, you know, raising them up and you're trying to explain to them why they shouldn't do something? You know, no, you shouldn't do that. You know, that'll hurt you. It's, and you start to explain the whole thing to them and they go out and they do it anyway. And then maybe you explain it again, but not quite as, as much. And then after a while, what do you do? Stop, Stop it! <laughs> Stop it now! <laughs> no more explanation. You've heard that before, haven't you? I did too. <laughs> more than once. More than once. <laughs> My mom and dad are here. They will testify that it was, it was more than one time, right? <laughs> yeah, it was more. Not many more though, right? Just, uh, just that, uh, yeah, it's just, just more than once. <laughs> now I was, there was a number of times we lost count. But the first thing we had to do, here's the manual, first thing to do, send, send, send the stuff away. Then the next thing we had to do is, stop. Just stop it. Now we got one more. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So let not your heart be troubled. Sounds like you have some control over that, doesn't it? Let not your heart be troubled. Colossians 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So he says, first off, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he says the next, next time, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So what's the most common word we see in all that? Let. Don't, in other words, don't allow it. Don't get in there and, and, and do that. So our one word for this one is? Yes. No! Oh. <laughs> we put it, put it up on the board. It's stay. Let doesn't begin with S. And I want you to get this down. I want you to have this down. I want you to send, stop, and stay. Stand, stop, and stay. If you want to follow the directions that God has given us in this area, do this. Send... Take your request and send them on. Stop the worrying. And stay the things that he said to do. Let not your heart be troubled. Stay it. Don't let it go. How many of you have dogs? You all know dogs can be taught to stay. If your dog doesn't stay, it is not your dog's fault. Come on, fess up. It is yours. Every single dog in America... Except for certain little ones we don't count. They aren't dogs. I don't know what they are. But they aren't, I don't know. We won't talk about what 
breeds they are, but there are certain little dogs that I do not consider to be dogs. One of them, we thought that we went over to a person's house and we were delivering a bunk bed. I thought they let the guinea pig out. I really did. I thought they let the guinea pig out. This thing's running all over. And we're bringing bunk bed stuff in. You know, Christian and I, we're going to step on this sucker. Guinea pig's running all over the place. No, that's our dog. Oh, a nice little puppy. It's not a puppy. It was full grown. Like a guinea pig. They had a playpen. They had a playpen for the dog. They showed it to us. Oh, yeah, we've got a little playpen over here. Put it in the corner. My, my, my. But you can teach a dog to stay. And they're good at it, too. Now, Christian, he's done a good job on, on Tucker. And he taught him how to stay. And he gets pleasure, like I did with my dog. He gets pleasure out of that dog staying. My wife does not take pleasure in the same things that we do. <laughs> she wants to release the dog. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have Chris, Christian will get on down there and he'll, he'll tell the dog to stay and the dog will stay and he'll put the treat down on the floor just out of reach of the dog. Oh, listen to all you. It's called being a trained dog. Being a trained dog, that's right. Thank you, sir. I knew you were spiritual. <laughs> it's being a trained dog. And so that dog would stay there. It just looks at the treat. It's just staring at it. Its eyes are not moving to the left or to the right. It is staring at the treat. And it doesn't budge. It doesn't move. It stays right there until... It doesn't even look at Christian. It's just looking at the treat. And its ears are listening. It's listening for the certain words. We can talk back and forth all we want to. But then all of a sudden, someone will say, Okay. It's right up and it gets it. But a dog, they know how to stay. They know how to stay. If your dog doesn't stay, it's your fault. The dog's not broke. They know how to stay. This is what you got to do. You have got to get these things in you and get them to stay. Let not your heart be troubled. You don't want to stop your heart. All right? We don't want to do that. We like the heart to keep moving. So we don't want to stop the heart. We want to stay it. Let not your heart be troubled. Let the peace of God rule you. There are certain things we have to, have to just stay. Just not have them go. So here's how we do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Because there's certain parts that, that I'm supposed to do. Anything that's in the Bible, generally there's our side, there's God's side. And when the two meet, when God does, when we do our side, God does His, His side. And great things come as a result. So our stop is send, stop, and stay. Send away all our, put all requests over to Him. Let him take it. Cast all your care upon him. Send it away. Stop. Don't be worrying. And stay. stay. Send, stop, stay. In John 14, uh, I'm sorry, in um, Psalms, we're going to go over there next, but put this in your outline. No one can do this for me. No one can do this for me. I can't send, stop, stay for you. You have to do your own send, stop, and stay in. These are my assignments. They're not someone else's assignments. These are my assignments. I've got to get in there and do this. So make sure you get out there. No one can do this for me. These are my assignments. Let's get on to what God does. Amen. In Psalm chapter 4. I will both lay, lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. God's job is He keeps us safe. So write in the word there. Safe. What God does. God keeps us safe. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. 
I can lie down in peace and I can sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Why? Because I did my part, which is? Send, stop, and stay. I send, stop, and stay. God gives me safety. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So you will keep him in perfect peace. So when I do the stay in part, when I do the send, stop, stay, God does what? Keeps me in perfect peace. If I'm not in perfect peace, something's broke, isn't it? Will God always do his part? God is always faithful. So if there's a, if there's something that's broken, where's it usually on? It's on me somewhere. Somewhere I did it. Somewhere I, it's not quite right what I'm doing. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Philippians 4 verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's after Paul was talking about how they did their part, how they got out there and they, they uh, sowed an offering and they gave it to him. And he said, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I'll be safe, I'll be in peace, and I will be fully supplied. Because this is what God does. He keeps me safe, he keeps me in peace, he keeps me fully supplied. That's what God will do. If you always knew, I am safe, I am in peace, and I am fully supplied. Wouldn't that cut out most of the worrying you're even tempted to do? God will do His part. The question is, will we do ours? Send, stop, stay. Here's the result. Proverbs 3 and verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be what? I love this verse. Your sleep will be sweet. Now, you may not like to sleep long. It doesn't matter. When you sleep, don't you want to get down to business? Right? I mean, if you're going to dedicate the time to sleep, you may as well sleep. There is nothing worse than dedicating time to sleep and not sleeping. Because you're not doing anything and you're not sleeping. Generally, when you're sleeping, you're not doing anything. But now you're not sleeping and you're not doing anything. So you're getting nothing done. But you're not sleeping yet. You're going to have to sleep. But you haven't started that yet. It means be just as, just as bad as going into the kitchen and say, I need to make dinner and, and looking. I thought you need to make dinner. I do. Why don't you get on it? Nothing worse than being in bed, all ready for bed, ready, you know, and knowing you have to get up at a certain time. You gotta be up at five, six o'clock, whatever it is you gotta be. I, you have to be up at a certain time. You may as well go to sleep. Amen? So first of all, here's the results. I sleep. When you dedicate time to sleep, you sleep. When you need to get up, you get up and you're rested because you slept when you're supposed to sleep. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. You get all the parts working, you get all the stuff going on that's supposed to happen, your sleep will be sweet. If your sleep is not sweet, then probably you didn't send stop stay. Didn't do something. You're over there worrying about stuff. You haven't cast those cares off. You haven't made those requests known. You're not letting the peace of God rule. You're not doing something. Make sure you send off your cares. Make sure you stop with the worrying. Stop it. Just just stop. It was good enough for your kids. How many told your kids when you're doing something you're not supposed to do? Stop it. Just stop. 
when they're back there fighting with their sister. Stop it because you believe they have the ability to. But how many times have we heard the thing, I can't help it. They're making me. Sister touched me. They're looking at me funny. There's always a reason. But you know and you know yourself as a parent. Does that reason hold any water? No, it doesn't. So why do we think our reasons hold any water with God? God says, stop it. Do not worry. I, he, we don't need an explanation as to why we should be worrying. We don't need to explain to him how this is greater than anything he's ever seen. All we need to do is stop it. Quit it. Get your sleep going. Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Mm. What, what causes them to stumble? I missed that. Nothing. nothing? You mean there is no reason for you to stumble? If there is no reason for you to stumble, then you will be walking, right? So I sleep and I walk. And I sleep and I walk just fine because I don't stumble. Great peace of those who love your law. And nothing, nothing causes them to stumble. Here's my part. I got to love his law. Am I loving his law when I send stop today? I'm doing what he said, right? Great peace of those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Just start Loving his law. Stop loving all the other stuff that's going on around. I don't love all those problems. Sure you do. That's why you think about them all the time. <laughs> Psalms 91 verses uh, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. There's nothing like being a little kid and you make a fort. Isn't it, isn't it great making a fort? Oh, I'll tell you what, forts are great. When we go around we, and we put bunk beds in people's houses, you know what they're always fighting over? Who gets the top bunk? So we have a way that we settle that and we just tell them, the bottom bed is the fort. And all of a sudden their eyes light up. <gasps> we don't know what happens when we leave. <laughs> they can't be held responsible for such thing. <laughs> bottom bed, is the, that's the fort bed. You take one of mom's sheets, throw it over top of the bed. We get permission from mom before we tell them this. And then you got a fort. Oh, yeah. I get reports back from families. They'll say, they were up there all day long. They were in that fort the whole day. They didn't do come, even come out for anything. They just were in the fort playing the whole day. It's always good. We love forts. And even growing up, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my refuge and my fortress. God. I mean, what are you worried about if God is your fortress? What's going to come against you? So I sleep. I walk. No stumbling. And He is my refuge and my fortress. This is the result if we do what we're supposed to do. Send. Stop. Stay. Because God is going to keep me safe. He's going to keep me in peace. And He's going to keep me fully supplied. i got to trust Him in that. That's what we have to do. But here, Romans 8, 6. This is the, this is the kicker. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For to be carnally minded is death. 
When we do not send stop stay, when we allow these things to come in and we embrace these things, we become carnally minded. And that's not good. Now, we got got some water here. Why do people pay money for bottled water? It's supposed to be pure, it's supposed to be clean, and people go out and they buy bottled water. They, they like bottled water. You know, we offer it here for you at the church because, you know, if you spill this, it won't get anything on the carpet or the seat. Water will dry. Now, I, asked, uh, I need the, the um, other cup beside the what I already have. That one right there. Now, the reason we pay extra money for bottled water is because we don't like dirt. Right? Got dirt? Fresh from outside dirt. I had some aged dirt in here, but now we have fresh dirt from outside. Now, we pay the extra money for the, for the water so that it doesn't have the dirt in it, right? Now, you all were plenty, were plenty fine to drink this before, but I bet you, you wouldn't drink it now, would you? It's got some dirt in it. Nice big, big clump of dirt. You know, just put that right in there. Just kind of dissolves a little bit. I mean, we can just keep putting dirt in there. What has happened to the bottled water? It got dirty. Peter, you want to drink? Oh, Peter wouldn't even take a drink. I mean, I mean, some dirt floats and some dirt sinks and some dirt's kind of suspended in the middle. The water is now contaminated. Can we put the bottle cap back on and put it on the shelf? You could, I guess you actually, but people are looking at it and says, Ew! Ew! Now, how many of you here would drink this? Why not? Why wouldn't you drink it? You like bottled water. That's not bottled water. It is. Bottled water and dirt. <laughs> it's, it's water in a bottle, isn't it? It is. It is that, isn't it? Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> now. We wouldn't do this normally, would we? I'm trying to make a point. I've eaten more dirt than this in my lifetime. Are you kidding me? I'm a boy. We eat dirt for livings. You go out there and you play football, you get dirt on your hands, you get dirt on your mouth, you swallow stuff. I mean, you get dirt all over the place. You don't even know you're dirty. You're just, it's the way you are. A little dirt never hurt anybody. Why do we, why do we shy away from this kind of contamination? But then we go right on over and we will contaminate what the Word of God said to do and wonder why we have a problem. Just mess it all up. Just put dirt all in it. Well, I'm just going to worry a little bit. I'm just going to be anxious for a few things. I'm just going to wonder a little bit about what's down the road. No. This is not what we're supposed to do. Don't let the water of the Word get contaminated. Keep it pure. For to be carnally minded is death. Does he say how much carnally minded you need to be? He doesn't, does it? For to be carnally minded. You are either carnally minded or you are spiritually minded. You are one or the other. Just like the example we used before. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Right? I mean, we can, you can't say that about everything. You find some people and you say, well, they're skinny. 
Well, where's the, where's the line? Where's the line where suddenly they become skinny? We don't know about that. That's not quite as, as defined. But you are either carnally minded or spiritually minded. You're on one side or the other. So if I worry about some stuff, which side do you think you fall on? If I'm anxious about one or two things, which side do you think you fall on? If I'm not sending, if I'm not stopping, and if I'm not staying, what side am I falling on? Carnally minded, which is? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's where we want to be, right? If we allow the contamination of the world in, we change the nature of our hope. If we allow the contamination of the world in, we change the nature of our hope. The same way we changed the nature of this bottled water. We took it from being pure and clear in which everyone here said, you know, they would drink from it. We took it to a state that no one except for me decided to drink from it. And, and real, real simple. Didn't take long, did it? When I put that first speck of dirt in, how many of you were off the map as far as drinking from here? No more. Come on, I have more hope for you. <laughs> if we allow the contamination of the world in, we change the nature of our hope. And we begin to hope for other things. We begin to hope for something different. If we do not see the promised results, I sleep great, I walk without stumbling, and God is my refuge and my fortress. If we see those results, great. But if we don't see those results, if those results are missing from our life, there must be a contamination somewhere, right? Somehow something is, is not right. If you order a sandwich from a store and all of a sudden there's something hard and crunchy in the sandwich and you're not, you're not expecting, you didn't buy a, a sandwich with hard and crusty materials in it, it was all soft and chewy, and you get something hard and crunchy, do you wonder, I wonder if this is part of the sandwich. What do you treat it as? It's a contaminant. Man, we've got to spit this thing out. Get rid of this sucker. This does not need to be in my mouth. And even though you're at a public table, you'll spit it right out, won't you? Because I don't know what that thing is. There must be a contamination somewhere. A carnal mind, folks, is a contaminated one. A carnal mind is a contaminated one. We have allowed the contamination in. So to get rid of it, you must do what? Three things. First, what we need to get rid of it, you must get Illumination. I gotta find out what it is. If you cannot see the contamination, you cannot remove it. You've gotta be able to see it. Or put something in there that can. They have some really nice filters out there that will filter stuff that you cannot even see. Do you know they have a filter that will filter out salt? You put salt water through this filter, it comes out clean. No salt. Can't run a whole lot of water through that at a time, but it will actually filter out the salt. You put some of those uh, filters on your sink and stuff to take out some contaminants that you cannot see. But you know they're there. They've been spotted. You've had tests done. When you have those tests done, you find out what kind of a filter you need. And you get the kind of filter that you need that's appropriate to get that stuff out. You have to have illumination. Even if I can't see it, I have to know that it's there. And then trust that what pointed out to me is right. So I need to get first off, get some illumination. 
How many times have we ever had it that we're going through life and things aren't right? I'm not sleeping at night. I'm walking and stumbling all over the place. Things just aren't right. And I get to go around, I don't know why. I don't know why. Is this an illuminated person? No, illuminated people don't go go around saying, I don't know why. I don't know why. We know why. We're illuminated. But we need to get some illumination on this. I need to find out why is this thing going on this way. And, and God will give us the light. Obviously, we're missing something in the Scripture. Obviously, something in the Word of God is not coming alive to us. I've got to get what that is. I need illumination. What is going on in my life? What is holding me back? What is keeping me from getting that thing? From having a nice sleep? So having the peace of God? All those, things, all those things? What is it? I need illumination. And I can go before God and get it. That's the first thing we need. Once we get illumination, we go on to the second spot, and that is segregation. We need to separate that, that which is foreign from that which we want. i got to get rid of it. We could turn this water back into nice pure, pure uh, water again, simply, but we can see the dirt. But we need a filter that we get out not just what we see, but even what we don't see, because I know the dirt's there. And once I can do that, if I can filter out that water, would you drink it again? Now, see, that's just ridiculous because go out there to the Schuylkill River and take a look at how clear that is. That water is dirtier than this, and yet most of you folks drink some water from there. You just don't know that that's where it came from. It got filtered out. It got cleaned up. People did that. They segregated all the bad stuff, supposedly, from all the good stuff. So we need illumination, and then we gotta get segregation. I gotta take the bad stuff in me. I gotta get the worries. I gotta get the anxieties. I gotta get the fears. I gotta get all that concern for tomorrow. I gotta segregate it, put it aside, and get me separated from them. When I have illumination and segregation, I'm on the path, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. I need one more thing. Determination. Because <laughs> it is not easy to segregate that bad stuff from the good stuff. The bad stuff wants to mix in. And all you need is a little bit, right? Like with that bottle of water, just a little bit of dirt. Did you all in? You were, no, I'm not doing that. I didn't have to put any more in. You are ready to stay away from it. Just a little bit. It takes determination to get all that extra stuff out. I need illumination. I need to know what's there. I need segregation. I've got to be able to separate those things. And then I need determination. Pull it off. Get that thing done. You do that. All right, there's worry. There's anxiety. That's where it is. Now, I need to determine myself. I am not going to let that be part of me again. I'm going to keep that stuff away from me. When the Word of God says, do not worry, and He says it over and over, do not worry, do not worry, I get the message, I'm not supposed to worry. So here's the restoration. I need to get back to the Word on the subject. That's the first thing. You need to get back to the Word on the subject. What does the Word of God have to say? And don't sit there and say, well, I already know what the Word of God has to say. Obviously, you don't. If you are having a problem, the first thing you need to admit is, I'm not doing something right. Don't you love it when they call up the service places and say, it's not working. All right, but did you just, I did everything I was supposed to do. <laughs> How do you know that, sir? Can I just go through the steps with you? Can we just take you on uh, on through this part here? No, they need to bring you back to the manual. This is what the manual says to do. Did you did you plug it in first? Did you charge it up? Did you connect these wires? 
Did you pull the packing stuff out? There's all kinds of things you need to... You know. Oh, I didn't know they put that in there. I know, sir. It was in the manual, though. <laughs> if you would have read the manual, they won't say that to you. But if you would have read the manual, would have seen it. They want to say, you know that, boy. You know they want to say that over and over again. I'm sure they're thinking, are you blonde? <laughs> oh, my. I need to get back first off to the Word on, this, on the subject. Then I need to meditate with the purpose of finding the problem. Too often we go back to the Word of God to find out what the problem is with God. Uh-uh. You need to get back in the Word of God and, Word of God and say, God, I need to find out what's the problem with me. What am I not doing right? All the service people that you would call, how long they would long for a day and they would just hear someone say, I'm having a problem with this unit and I'm sure I did something wrong, but I just can't figure out what it is. Oh, what a relief that is. Yes, sir, you probably did something wrong. Let's find out what it is. <laughs> Instead, what they usually call up, the machine you gave me is broke. It doesn't work right. <laughs> That's how we, that's how we go to God. The promise you gave me, it's broke. It don't work right. We're yelling at God and God says, I'm still waiting for you to send, stop and stay. Come on, get with it. Here's the manual. Do what you're supposed to do. Meditate with the purpose of finding out what is the problem. Somehow I'm missing it. Somehow it's not working right. What is the problem? I'm not doing something. Don't assume you know it. If it's not working, something is broke. You got to figure out what it is. If it's not working, something is broken. So don't just sit there and assume, oh, I know, know what to do with that. No, don't do it. Do you want to get it fixed? Do you want to get healed? Do you want to get set free? Do you want to have anxiety go? Do you want the, the, the finances taken care of? Then get before it. Find out what's going on. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Oh, glory to God. How do you like that? There remains a rest. Let me tell you something though. It's not here yet. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. It's coming. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. Well, Jesus entered in his rest. We'll get there. Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. What that means is it can figure out what's broke. It can figure out what it is. It's just like you're quickly going to call up the repair people or call up the technician. What is going on? Why is this not working? The Word of God will do it for you. And it will tell you why it is not working. What is not going on. But you've got to meditate with the purpose of finding out I'm not doing something. I'm not sending. I'm not stopping or I'm not staying. Somewhere along the lines, I'm, I'm messing up on this. God, you need to show me where it is. It's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, we need that. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who, to whom we must give account. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank God for that. We're talking to someone who wrote the Word of God, who's gone through what we go through in life, but he did it victoriously. So he gave us the Word that it will expose the problem, expose what it is that's being broke, so we can get into the part where it works. But we've got to meditate on the Scripture not to find out what God did wrong. Because we always want to get God on a technicality. God, see, you didn't do that. No. That's not what you need to do. You need to find out what is it that I did wrong? What is it that I messed up on? What did I come short on? Why is that thing not coming to me yet? I know you promised it to me. I know that's what I'm supposed to have. Mm. Now we put this here at the end. Now build a, hope, a confession of hope. We did that two weeks ago when the last time we were on this series. We just uh, worked with you to try and build a confession of hope. You need to sit down and just start building yourself a confession of hope in this particular area. Be anxious for nothing. Father God, I thank you that there is nothing in this world that pulls me into fear and anxiety. I thank you, Father, there is nothing in this world that is greater than my Master. I thank you that there is nothing in this world that will overcome me. There is no supply this world needs from me that you cannot supply to me. And just go over and begin to mull over these kind of things and keep saying this instead of going over, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to get that through tomorrow. I mean, t- tomorrow's coming. And I gotta have this, or, or this needs to be right, and we're in fear and anxiety, and, and, nah, that's why you're not going to bed and sleeping at nighttime, cause this stuff is all coming up. Get rid of it. Oh, but I don't know what I'm gonna do, I don't know what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life, I don't know where I'm gonna go, I don't know what job I'm gonna get, and, and we begin to worry, and we begin to get, have all this stuff. Cast your care. Oh, I've done that. Obviously you have not! Look yourself in the mirror and say, I am not casting this off on God the way I need to. I need to cast this off on God. Go back to our first scripture. Philippians 4 and verse 6. What's it say? For how many things? For nothing. nothing. But in everything, that means everything, by prayer and supplication. We're not not going out with prayer and supplication, folks. We're going out with worry and anxiety. And we go before God. Oh, God, if this doesn't happen tomorrow, you know what will happen to me. That's not prayer and supplication. That's fear and anxiety. Go before God and say, Father God, I thank you. I need this tomorrow. I thank you that the answer is on its way. Glory to God. And then go to sleep. Oh, but you get that thought in your head. Oh, but I should be praying more. I should be praying for at least an hour for a thing. Why? Why? Well, I, I mean, I've got to show God that I'm serious. I gotta, he's got to see that I'm putting some effort into this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous avails much. He didn't say long one. And there aren't many long prayers in the Bible. How many of you ever raised anybody from the dead? May me imagine somebody, I gotta, gotta do this tomorrow. I gotta raise somebody from the dead tomorrow. How many of you are sleeping tonight? Oh, we're fasting and praying all night, right? Oh, dear Lord, I gotta raise that person from the dead tomorrow. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear Lord, help me out. I gotta raise that person from the dead tomorrow. We're in fear and anxiety. Jesus probably slept the night before. Gets out there, bring over to where Lazarus is. Lazarus, come forth. Boy, that's a long prayer. 
Got a dead girl. I say to you, arise. Where are the long prayers? How about the guy who's, who's uh, lame, laying down the, in the building? Take up your bed and walk. Go home. Jesus is not one for long prayers. Why are we following in that example? Because we've allowed stuff to get in. We have brought in corruption. And it has contaminated the way that we hope and the way that we think. I think the answer will come by me having long prayers. And Jesus even said, do not think that God hears you because of your long prayers. And yet we've allowed that contamination to get in. We feel guilty. Well, if I want God to go and work for me and do all that sort of stuff, I guess I ought to be putting some effort out. Peter and John are going by the, the beautiful gate. I don't even think they thought they were going to run into anybody. But they see the guy there, he's lame. I say to you, arise. No long prayer. They don't say, you know, why don't we fast and pray tonight and get all the saints in on it too and then come on back tomorrow. <laughs> he doesn't do that. You want, a, you want an example of someone doing long prayers? Go over when Peter was in prison. And all the saints are all gathered around the house. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Help them out. Get him out of there. Get him. And they're all praying for hours. Then somebody comes to the door. It's Peter. It's not Peter. He's in prison. We're praying for him to get out. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, folks. Don't let the corruption in. Hold fast to what we're supposed to do. Remember our first scripture on this? We hadn't read it for a couple of weeks, but let's read it again. Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without what? Without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Glory to God. Hold fast the confession of your hope. Folks, there's all kinds of stuff that are going to come around and try and get you to pull off on that confession of, the, of healing for your body. They're going to try and pull off on the confession for finances, for a job, for all the different things. Oh, but the economy. Oh, but this is going on. Oh, but this is happening. Oh, but that's not going to work for you anymore. Hold fast the confession of our hope. But it hasn't worked for me in the past. Change it. And have that hope. And you can tell real easy. We've given you these clues before. You can tell real easy where your hope is. Listen to your words. You're going for a job interview tomorrow? Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to get it. What's your hope? Don't you be sitting there lying. Don't you be sitting there lying saying, Oh, I know that God has a job for me. No, you don't. You think you're not going to get this one tomorrow even. You better wake up and just smack yourself across the face and say, Hey, <laughs> i got to get rid of the negative words. I'm broke. I need to get fixed. Father God, fix me. I'm going to meditate on the Word of God and get fixed. Get it fixed up. Stay with it. Let God show you what's broke. Let Him help you. Just stand up with me. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. That even though we operate down here broken off a lot of times. Yes. You, sure, you, yeah. you still love us. Oh, you still care for yes. us. You're still pulling for us to get fixed. You say, my power is right here. It's ready to, to work on your behalf. But you got to just get over here. And you'll steer us in the direction of your word. And you'll let your word expose it because your word is able to divide even the spirit and soul. It can discern the thoughts and mind of a person.
Oh, we thank you, Father, for the help that you give us through your word. Help us to just understand the importance to get in there and just meditate over and over and over. Then all of a sudden the light will get turned on, illumination will come, and we will see what the problem is. And we can separate that, segregate that right out of our lives and be determined not to let that back in. Not to have that come back into us again. Father, we will obey what your word says. We will send all of our cares, all of our anxieties over to you. We will stop with the worrying. And we will stay our heart and keep it in the place that it is supposed to be. And Father God, I thank you that we will send, stop and stay right into the place of obedience with you. And you will do the same, same things that you told us you would do. We thank you for it and give you the praise and the glory for it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, there's some extra water over here if anybody wants any. You can certainly go on out there and have some.